0: frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown american drink go to grown Superfood.com forward slash john and order today
1: okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast.
0: This is Sirius XM Progress. After Hours. I'm John Puglesang. Welcome to Channel 127. We are broadcasting live from the Sirius SiriusXM Hollywood Studios. Keeping Sam at the workplace many hours later than he should be to work the boards for us. Thank you, Sam. Thea Harper produces our show live out of Brooklyn. Chris Housel produces our show live out of South Carolina. And happy Valentine's Day to all y'all. For the next three hours, we're going to be coming at you with some of our favorite guests. Bob Seska will be here very shortly. The God Squad is here, hour number two. And they are looking to talk a bit about immigration and about what the Republican Party means when they talk about love. And as always, our most important guest is you guys. 866-997-4748 for the next three hours. Come be part of the show. There's a lot to cover today. And every day I become less and less anxious about Donald Trump getting the White House one more time. Happy Valentine's Day. Named for the patron saint of buying overpriced crap to publicly demonstrate your affection to someone. Um, I consider the state to be really more of Christmas for the greeting card, floral, chocolate and lingerie industries. Happy holiday, everyone. Uh, I'm not a fan of Valentine's Day. Never have been. I think it's the really the perfect time to make that little kid who's an outcast in school feel 10 times worse about his life. And it works. So, you know, that, that's, that's where it's at. I, I do like it this year, though, because Valentine's Day landed on Ash Wednesday, which is ironic to me because this is the only day of the year when the Pope wants us to get dirty. Valentine's Day has a long, weird history. You know, it began as a, a Christian feast day, honoring a martyr named Valentine. And later, traditions, it's become a very significant cultural day or religious holiday or, I should say, commercial romantic holiday. No one can really tell how Valentine's Day began. But, you know, let's go to ancient Rome. From February 13th to February 15th, the Romans always celebrated the feast of Lupercalia, where the men would sacrifice a dog, and then they would sacrifice a goat— and they would uh, peel the hides off of these poor creatures and then whip women with the hides. And and young women in Rome, presumably because their fathers were monsters, would line up for the men to slap them with an animal hide. They thought this was going to make them fertile. And they would have this lottery back in the day. This is probably where the romantic part comes in, where the guys would reach into a jar and pull out the name of a different woman. And then whether that woman wanted to or not, they would be, uh, oh, you know, matched up for the two days of the festival. And if they got along, maybe they'd stay matched up longer. Yeah, sounds great, doesn't it? Now, the Romans, they think, might be responsible for it. If it didn't come from that, as we know, the Romans were good at taking holidays and building them into new holidays. But Emperor Claudius II executed two guys. Both were named Valentine on February 14th in different years. And both of their martyrdoms were honored by the Catholic Church with the celebration of St. Valentine's Day. Uh, St. Valentine of Rome is a fascinating guy. He was imprisoned because he ministered to Christians who were persecuted under the Roman Empire in the 3rd century. The legend is that St. Valentine of Rome restored sight to the blind daughter of his jailer, and that was the miracle they used to justify making him a saint. Now, later, they've added to the legend and said that, you know, it was all related to love, that St. Valentine performed weddings for Christian soldiers who weren't allowed to marry by the Roman emperor. By the 18th century, they built on this legend more and said that he he wrote the, the jailer's blind daughter he healed, a letter, and he signed it before his execution as your Valentine. So around this same time, the Normans... Would have Gallatin Day. And Gallatin meant lover of women, which probably over the years got confused with St. Valentine's Day and Gallatin Day because they kind of sound alike. And as the years went on, February 14th has become associated ever more with romantic love in the 15th century. Uh, courtly love became the thing, and people would have lovebirds. It was tied into the birds of early spring. By 18th century in Europe, in England, it was an occasion for couples to express their love. It was in the 18th century that um, people would give flowers or give hand- handmade uh, paper greeting cards that they would call Valentines. Handmade paper cards were very popular in the Middle Ages. And eventually it came over here to the New World. And in the Industrial Revolution of the 19th century, we got industrial-made factories to make cards Leading up to 1913, when Hallmark Cards of Kansas City, Missouri, began mass producing valentines, cut to the year 2021, when the Hallmark Cards announced they would no longer sponsor Josh Hawley, their senator, and would no longer donate to him because he had supported an insurrection. They sent him a valentine that day. Do you hear the valentine day they sent? It was uh, roses are red, violets are blue. Bitch, where's our money? You helped start a coup. That last part I made up, but will be very interesting to see whether Hallmark continues to not fund Josh Hawley. And, you know, here's the thing about this day that I, I love. This was the same day in the year 1130 that Pope Innocent II was elected. He was made pontiff on this date. And and up to that time, for over a thousand years, priests in the Catholic Church could marry. Did you know this? St. Peter, the first pope, was was, was married. Priests and popes and bishops could marry for a thousand years. But around the time Pope Innocent assumed the, the seat of Pontiff, people were getting upset in the church because all these priests were leaving their land and their wealth to their kids. So, nine years after he became pope on this date, Pope Innocent II made celibacy the law of the church. Not because sex was bad, not because Jesus was a bachelor, but because the church was greedy. Yeah. Way before Da Vinci Code. So just remember, um, we have celibacy in the church because of that Pope who was named on this day in the year 1130. Proving my point, Valentine's Day leads to celibacy. Thank you. You know, Bob Dylan recorded some good songs on Valentine's Day Visions of Joanna and Fourth Time Around in 66, Lay Lady Lay in 69, In the Garden. One of his Born Again songs in 80 and Emotionally Yours he recorded in 1985, which is maybe his most underrated love song. The OJs did a great cover of that. Now, um, my valentine is Tracy Chapman. I wanted to talk about her last week. There's been too much news, but I'm going to do it briefly here because last week everyone was talking about Tracy Chapman singing the duet with that country dude on the Grammys. I thought it was great. You know, it's interesting. Tracy Chapman and Sinead O'Connor have both been eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for over 10 years apiece. And I know the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is irrelevant, but Tracy Chapman's my valentine, so I'm going to say this. Because there seems to be a pattern for this Hall of Fame for it to take a lot longer to vote women into the Rock Hall than men. You can ask Pat Benatar about that, or Janice Ian, or Emmylou Harris, or Joan Armatrading. I mean, I mean, how many hit songs have, have these women had? Dolly Parton they tried to put her in but again they'll say well they haven't enough hits well what does that have to do with it i mean if they are famous if they influence other artists if people love the music i mean hits that would keep velvet underground out and maybe it did for many years i mean but i had some guy write to me on twitter uh very angry that i had complained about tracy Chapman, my valentine and sinead not being in the hall of fame and uh this guy said uh Hall of Fame? How many hit songs have they had each? The average person can't name more than one hit from both of them. Both are one-hit wonders. Good songs, but one hit nonetheless. Again, it doesn't matter if you've only had one or two commercial hits, if you're an influencer in the genre. But then I had this guy, Bill Miller, who I'm guessing is racist because his Twitter handle is melanin deficient. He left off the last T. That's the T for twit. He tweeted at me. Do we induct people into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because of their sexuality? I thought it was about the music they produced. Can you name three Chase Tracy Chapman songs? If you do, you Googled it. I saved this for Valentine's Day. Because yes, I might be a straight white guy, but she's mine. I can name tons of great Tracy Chapman songs. Baby Can I Hold You. That song was covered by everybody. Luciano Pavarotti. And George Michael. And Neil Diamond. And Nicki Minaj. Eric Clapton covered Gimme One Reason. Neil Young plays on Tracy Chapman's second album. Junior Wells, the great blues singer, covered Gimme One Reason. Emmylou Harris covered All That You Have Is Your Soul. Sam Smith covered Fast Car. Bieber covered Fast Car. Foxy Brown made Fast Car a reggae hit long before Luke Combs did his version. Tracy Chapman toured with Bruce Springsteen and Sting on the Amnesty International Human Rights Now Tour. And every night on that tour, she duetted with Peter Gabriel on Don't Give Up, and her vocal is as great as Kate Bush's. Go on YouTube and listen to the bootleg. You'll see. Tracy Chapman is so great. She was on Letterman and did a cover of Stand By Me, and it was such a huge hit virally, they had to release it on an album. I have seen Tracy Chapman in giant stadiums, seen her in tiny clubs. I got to see her open for 10,000 Maniacs before her first single was ever released. I saw her play The Times They Are a Changin' at the Bob Dylan Tribute. I saw her play Imagine at the John Lennon Tribute. At the Grammys. She played piano for that. I saw her at the Nelson Mandela rally in Yankee Stadium, where she played Freedom Now. She opened for Nelson Mandela. And you racist incels are saying she can't be in the Hall of Fame? Bang, Bang, Bang is maybe the greatest song about gun violence ever. You racists can listen to her live duet of The Thrill Is Gone she did with B.B. King. And Be Ashamed of Yourself. Tracy Chapman's first album was six times platinum, three Grammys. Her fourth album was five times platinum and a Grammy for Best Rock Song. She is the first black woman to win a Country Music Award and the first black woman to have a country number one with a solo composition. But it's more than that. I, I think Tracy Chapman is one of the artists who's really responsible for saving popular music in the '80s. We had a lot of shitty hair band, one hit wonder, lip syncers in the '80s. I'm not going to lie, folks. There's good '80s music, but like any other decade with good music, there's a lot of crap. And Tracy Chapman was a hero of substance and grace and beauty. And of course, this is me ranting. She's too wise to care about her place in music. She doesn't care. I'm just tired of hearing her work dismissed by these incels. I hope she's releasing a new album. Because, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame needs her a lot more than she needs it. Call me, Tracy. All right, that's that's all I'm going to say about Valentine's Day. Let me bring it up to the do nothing as Congress. Because today they showed their work. I mean, all of the effects of the most do nothing as Congress in history. What have they done? What have they done this year? They censured Rashida Tlaib and they fired George Santos and they censored Adam Schiff and they fired Kevin McCarthy and they impeached Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who has a name that sounds like a guy they'd like to see impeached. And it does nothing. It helps no one. The Border Patrol endorsed the Senate bill the bipartisan $118 billion immigration bill, and it had every concession the Republicans want. And now they're not going to give the Homeland Security secretary the funding he needs to solve the problem, so they're going to impeach him for not solving the problem. I would call this theater, but unlike Republicans, theater creates jobs, and it's not going to lead to anything, because you guys know the Senate will never remove this man from power. All they've done is impeach someone to please the people that are already going to vote Republican. They've accomplished nothing, which is their job. They are paid to protect the wealth of rich people, protect their tax cuts, and stop governance from happening. Then there's guns. Oh, we saw their work today. We saw the Republican Party's handiwork today in Kansas City, shooting near Union Station during the Super Bowl parade. It's left one person dead, at least 21 others with gunshot wounds. The Children's Mercy Hospital said they were treating 12 people who were injured in the shooting. 11 of the 12 were children. Nine of the children sustained gunshot wounds today. They don't know who's responsible. Three people have been detained so far. We don't know anything yet. All we know is that no one in this country is safe anywhere from gun violence. Mass shootings have now happened at parades, grocery stores, theaters, concerts, churches, mosques. Synagogues, military bases, restaurants, workplaces, funerals. What am I leaving out? Oh, yes, schools. Mass shootings are the national crisis. They pretend the border is. And can I also just say to my friends on on social media, please stop comparing what happened today to the 1929 Valentine's Day Massacre. I know it's tempting to just fall back on that phrase, but don't, please, friends. The 1929 St. Valentine's Day Massacre was a mob hit where seven Chicago gangsters got shot by other gangsters in a mob war. This was a parade today where nine children got shot. And the shooters were easily able to get AR-15s because of Republicans, who are a much higher form of gangster. And then, you want to know what a great job the Republicans are doing? They showed their work again today. Welcome back to Congress, Tom Swasey where uh, a New York swing district went for a Democrat by almost 8%. Santos won the seat by 7.5%. It's incredible. I mean, the Republicans went after him on immigration. They attacked Swazi on immigration. They thought, this is how we're going to win in the fall. Make it all about immigration. Yell about immigration so much for Long Island. They'll forget we took abortion rights away. They'll forget that Donald Trump's a criminal. Guess what? Didn't work. Tom Suozzi is going to be sworn in on February 28th and will shrink the House's GOP majority to 219 to 213, uh, which is good because they have a March 1st deadline to fund the government. And this would imply they have to now do shit. And Politico, by the way, had this headline. You see it? It said Democrat Tom Suozzi edges out GOP and closely watched New York House. Ra- edged out. <sighs> they can't say he won, can they? they uh, is, is, is eight points... Edging out that, that in this day and age, it's pretty big. Democrats won big, Politico. And Republicans couldn't stop attacking this guy, blaming him for the influx of migrants to New York City and tying him to all their attacks on Biden. They all all the ads. If you live in New York, you saw them. All the ads were about Tom Swazi and immigration and nobody bought it. Because they know the truth in New York. They know the truth about Donald Trump. We have for many years. And they know it was Republicans who turned down the 118.28 billion bipartisan immigration bill. Meanwhile, you you want to see some more work about the Republicans? <laughs> one more thing they've actually achieved beyond firing their own and censuring people? As of now, in a new poll by Monmouth, nearly one in three Republicans. And I, if if you're driving, you might want to pull over. Just breathe for a minute. Nearly one in three Republicans believe that Taylor Swift is part of a covert government effort to help Joe Biden win the 2024 election. 46% of Americans have heard this deeply stupid conspiracy theory that the right wing is pushing. 18% believe it to be true. Pretty scary. Uh, 34% of Republicans believe, according to a Washington Post poll, that the FBI instigated the January 6th attack. Well, there's something they've done. (laughs) And this is all they can do is use lies and disinformation to keep our conservative brothers and sisters in this bubble where they believe lies. The truth is that the economy has avoided a recession. The truth is that in all the 2023 special elections last year, Democrats killed it. The truth is Democrats flipped another Republican seat last night. The truth is that Joe Biden did great in the 2022 midterms and only lost a few seats in the House. The truth is Joe Biden has passed a huge amount of popular bipartisan legislation. The truth is Republicans lost in 2020 and they lost in 2018 and they lost in 2016. That, my friends, is the truth of the modern Republican Party. But they've shown us what they're good at, haven't they? They can't do anything to make your life better, but they can censor Mayorkas. They can do nothing about guns. They can lose a special election, and they can make their base dumber and meaner. And that's what Republicans have become now, the new kind of Republican, not the nice conservatives we grew up with. I grew up on a lot of nice conservatives. They were just wrong about stuff, but they weren't crazy. They weren't hateful. But this new breed, you know, they're louder, they're angrier, they're dumber, and they're meaner. I call them the illiterati. We want to know what you guys think. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. There is so much to cover tonight, so much happening. And in the news, life's about to get very interesting for a young man Donald Trump keeps thinking is his son Barron. Of course, I'm talking about Matt Gates. Ooh, boy, howdy. It's not going to be a boring year. We want to know all your thoughts, and all night long, we'll be asking you to join our show at 866-997-4748. We'll be right back with Mr. Bob Seska.
2: Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back
0: This is SiriusXM Progress. Welcome to it. I'm John Fuglesang. I am so pleased to welcome the Alpha, the Omega, the Mac... One of the smartest players in the game and the host of one of the smartest podcasts that also is one of the smartest music podcasts. And he also has one of the smartest Star Trek podcasts that is also one of the smartest political podcasts you could hope to get. Of course, I'm talking about Bob Seska. Maybe you fell in love with his columns. Maybe you fell in love with him on The Stephanie Miller Show. We fall in love with him every Wednesday night. Bob, welcome back. It's good to have you.
3: Oh, John, I love
0: you, too. (laughs) <laughs> oh like, hey, why, why, why can't happy Valentine's two, Day? Why my can't friend? two nervously heterosexual men wish each other happy Valentine's Day, Bob, That's I'm, right I, I want nervously you to know something. Nerdy. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. tell you something. I'm secure enough in my manhood. I'm comfortable enough in in myself as a man that I can wish you a happy Valentine's Day. I want you to know same. that I'm comfortable, and, and the same for the brown panties. I'm yeah. I feel comfortable enough as a man <laughs> that it's no problem for me to wear them when I wish you a happy belly. I'm I'm it's i all taking imagery. Yeah, with I mean,
3: you can't you can't see below frame, but I'm not wearing pants. That's how enthusiastic well, I am about
0: being here today, John. You and most of our <laughs> listeners, Bob. It's great, including the ones driving. that's um, Yeah, yeah. That's it. Wednesday. Yeah. So let's talk, Bob. Donald okay. Trump has encouraged Russia. To invade our allies, and that means the, the groundhog saw his shadow, and it's six more months of Biden's old stories from the mainstream media. I mean, yeah, yeah. at this point, the thing I like most about Joe Biden is that the billionaires who control our media seem to be terrified of this old stuttering man and are doing everything mm-hmm. they can do to both sides of this stuff to hell. Well, what do mm-hmm. you make first of Donald Trump's comments and the fact that he's doubling down on it because, you know,
3: own the libs, <laughs> go full oh, Hitler course. and own the libs. Yeah. Yeah. I, you look, this should be banner headlines in every newspaper and every news publication, every political publication across the country. Certainly it is in Europe because they're terrified of what's going to happen to them if Donald Trump therefore then enables a Russian invasion of Europe, which is essentially what he's encouraging. This is what he said Saturday night. At his rally. Yeah. 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 He's yeah. Encouraging. I, I, yeah. It was abundantly clear what he intends to do. If uh, if Vladimir Putin decides, hey, look, that uh, Poland right there, we're gonna go, we're gonna march into Poland. Oh yeah, and by the way, uh, Trump will have already allowed Russia to annex Ukraine at that point. So yeah, that'll be gone. That'll, that'll be absolutely that that story. There'll will be, be no over. more
0: NATO. He'll pull out of right. NATO, and Finland and Sweden will be on the chopping block next. I mean, it, you know, he, he does yeah. whatever Vladimir Putin wants, and to me, Bob. I, I'm ready to hear some Democrats come out and finally start trying to explain to these dumb people that no other countries have to pay us anything for NATO. Right. That's not how it works. You don't pay anyone any dues. He's talking about a mob protection racket, isn't he? I mean, it's it's refers to two percent of your GDP being used to buy weapons. It's not due. It has nothing to do with any country paying any other country ever.
3: Yeah, what he's doing is he's taking exactly what uh, his paymaster, Vladimir Putin, wants and then shoehorning that into his brand, which is as that tough sort of God, I want to be a mafia Italian guy kind of attitude that Donald Trump has. You got to pay. You got to pay. And this guy's wow. notorious for not paying at all. I mean, it, it exactly. seems repetitive to say that, but it's true. Donald Trump no. notoriously stiffs uh, contractors, stiffs working people, stiffs people, that uh, his lawyers, et cetera. This is a, a famous cities way where he's he operates. Run up yeah. a tab- cities where
0: he's run up a tab for his rallies. Yeah, he doesn't pay them either. Uh, Trump never pays his debts.
3: Right, right. And so this is merely a Russia-driven pretext to allow an invasion of Europe. And, and to be entirely clear about this, This is not I mean, we'll get into like a blind alley, you know, getting into the semantics of of NATO and what the signatories are required to do as far as military spending uh, as a percentage of their GDP. But that's just that's obfuscating the real issue here, which is that Vladimir Putin wants to invade Europe. I mean, this is quite clear. One of his one of his uh, generals said so much just a few months ago. So this is something that they've been thinking about as the next step after Ukraine. For some time now and do do we really uh does anyone give vladimir putin the benefit of the doubt on this does anyone give donald trump the benefit of the doubt on this and if so why w- what has he done to deserve the benefit of the doubt when he says something this catastrophic and so what we can count on is if donald trump becomes president we're talking about world war three over europe and I say yeah. over Europe because this will involve nuclear weapons. And Donald Trump may end up putting the United States on the wrong side of World War III. He'll go in on the side of Russia, yeah. the antagonists in all yeah. of this. Yeah. And so it's astonishing to me. That's that winning, Bob. Not- That's winning. Yeah. That's winning, Snowflake. All right? He's got pick a winning. Yeah. But I mean, it should be something that everyone is talking about right now. The the fact that this is the press just brushed right by it. Oh, that's just Trump being Trump. This is Trump spouting off, doing his thing. Now, come on, for God's sake. This is something we need to take seriously because he just raised the stakes in this. It's not like he's promising that windmills cause cancer or that uh, he wants to maybe nuke a hurricane. It's not silliness like that. That would
0: be stupid. Why would Noah? God, thank God no one ever said stuff like that.
3: Right, right. Or buying Greenland, whatever nonsense that we saw during the first term. It's not like that. This is absolutely a threat. And this is something that Vladimir Putin has heard loud and clear. This is basically Donald Trump giving the keys to the car to Vladimir Putin. Just go ahead. We're not going to get in your way. And by the way, you know, if you convince me enough, I may even come in on your side and give you military support. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he provided military aid to Russia in that endeavor. And this is. Yeah. Uh, Yet another reason why we got to take this as serious as a heart attack, because uh, this is the threat we face. And this is uh, I hate to use this phrase, but this is actually like Donald Trump's and Vladimir Putin's new world order that they're kind of trying to establish here based on fascism and authoritarianism. And it's quite clear as we see that uh, running roughshod around the world right now. But to that point, Bob, a serious question, Um, how has Donald Trump
0: and the Republican Party expanded their appeal in the last six months. What have they done to get anyone to vote for them besides the people who are already locked in to voting for them? Their whole job right now is supposed to be getting all those white people who can't tell the difference between Trump and Biden policies and can't make up their mind in the Midwest. They're supposed to be focusing on confused white people in seven states. That's all these elections are for. How do we get the most confused, aimless white people who can't tell black from white in seven states to go with our team? That's all our presidential campaigns are anymore. And I don't see any evidence. The Republicans, and and we could talk about Long Island last night, these guys were really, really certain— that all we have to do is talk about brown people at the border and folks are going to forget Mm -hmm. abortion rights. Folks are going to forget that Trump's a crook. And last night's a sign that shit ain't working.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a big deal last night. And this shows the efficacy. If if there is a long game political strategy behind this bipartisan bipartisan border legislation, it is uh, really coming to exactly where the Democrats wanted to go, which is which is to uh, flummox the Republican Party to kind of rabbit season, duck season them to, hmm. you know, they they agreed to this bipartisan uh, border security legislation, $118 billion. And, uh, and, and now Donald Trump, I guess, under the assumption, the Democrats did this under the assumption that the, that Donald Trump would ultimately say, ah, ah no, you, you can't do this. We're not, I need this as an issue. So essentially what this is, is this whole deal put, Uh, put the border on the table, put immigration as something that the Democrats are willing to get behind, some sort of serious legislation. In fact, Tom Suozzi supports a path to citizenship and so forth. This is serious legislation. And uh, not only does it do that, but it also managed to expose the Republican Party as being inauthentic. Yeah. as being a party that doesn't really want to solve the problem what they Good want point. is the politics and one of the main things one of the main selling points that kind of drives some of donald trump's support is his alleged authenticity i mean we all know that he's phony baloney but the fact of the matter is that this is this is people i guess his supporters seem to think that he tells it like it is and is straightforward <laughs> with with them that he's uh that he's uh honest oh, yeah. and authentic. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's he's actually not, but so <laughs> well, this Bob. I mean, I know being know, duplicitous. And, he stole
0: yeah. my life savings with his fraud online university, and he grabbed my wife by the pussy, and he ripped me off with his foundation. But darn it, I I, I like how he th- I like he says what he thinks. I I, I, I yeah. don't care. I just like That's how he says exactly what he, thinks. It. he says
3: what he thinks. Yeah, except yeah. when he doesn't. And 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 in this case. It exposes him for being the duplicitous phony baloney that he actually is. It exposes him for not actually wanting to solve problems. He just wants whatever is going to help Donald Trump in that moment. And so now voters are beginning to recognize that in significant numbers. And the victory for Tom Swasey last night was significant, especially when you compare it to George Santos's victory in 2022 and uh, previous contests in that district. Right. I mean, this is this is like the most swing state swing or swing districts. Sw- this is the swingiest of all the swing districts in, in New York. And okay. so uh, in that regard, uh, the fact that Tom Swasey did so well, outperforming what we have come to expect from that district is immensely significant. In fact, I would put this data coming out of yesterday's special election as something that is far more important than following the horse race polls in this country. I think we get more a sense of what's going to happen in November out of the New York third last night than we will out of any even the most uh, reputable poll uh, as, as uh, the pundits refer to it. There is no way that uh, this is going that the polls are I- at all accurate as far as forecasting what we're going to see in November.
0: Did you notice Bob, we, and- did, you, did you notice Politico said that Tom Suozzi edged out his Republican opponent and it's an eight point win, but he edged out. I mean, any way they can minimize it. They're going to try to do it. You know, yeah, it was, right. <laughs> it, it wasn't close. It wasn't, damn. it
3: wasn't even close yeah no it wasn't close to it wasn't close at all i mean what did george santos win that district by nearly eight points seven for god's 5. sake
0: yeah seven point yeah 5. yeah and okay, can i ask though something about yeah. i want to br- i want to bring it back to the the, the trump thing it all ties in together mm-hmm. you know it, it's obvious that we're not taught civics we're not taught the role of nato we're not taught what border laws are and republican party politicians take advantage of a vast ignorance do the Democrats need to be the official fact checkers of freedom and democracy to come out and say, no, idiots, no one pays dues to be in NATO. No one pays yeah. anyone to be in NATO. It's not- do, do, do the Democrats need to be able to come out and say, no, morons, your, your, your bus is ready. Um, migrants are not illegals. If you are yeah. on American ground, you legally can seek asylum. Like Like if you are trying to deport these people and deny them due process, you're the illegal. I want to hear Democrats just fact checking the reality on this, because, uh, you know, these guys all day talking about the illegals, the illegals coming over the border, the illegals, the illegals. And it's like, no, no, the illegals are us when we put them in concentration camps rather than give them due process in a hearing before a judge.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think the Democrats do, to a certain extent, have to continue to be the grownups in the room and explain some of this stuff. But, you know, one of the things that I think is fascinating now, and especially illustrated with Tom Swasey and the border security legislation, is that the Democrats have figured out finally – how to use Donald Trump against himself and against the Republican Party. I mean, they they've figured out this strategy. And one thing they can add to all of this is what happened with this border security bill is very similar to kind of what the Republicans did to John Kerry in 2004. You know, the whole flip flop thing. He was for the eighty three billion it. before he was I against
0: saying it. this election is so much yeah. like 2004. I can't believe it. But Go ahead.
3: Yeah. But in reverse, I think this is going to turn out very, very well for the incumbent, as it did uh, for the Democratic incumbent, as well as it did for the Republican incumbent in 2004. And all they've got to do is peg the Republican Party as flip flopping on border security. And I think that's something that's very much going to work. And in fact, I think Tom Swasey was kind of doing a version of that in the New York third, where he was able to use the big flip flop by Mike Johnson and Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell to his advantage and say, look, they have no interest here in solving what's going on at the border. By the way, we've got all the answers. We supported this bipartisan legislation. We reached our hand out and Donald Trump slapped it back with his tiny little fingers. And so what are we left with here? Uh, We're left supporting a, a reasonable uh, piece of legislation about immigration and the Republicans initially agreed to it. And now they're flip flopping and now That's they it. don't want it because Donald Trump somehow doesn't want it because he's an inauthentic boob who uh, <laughs> who is completely, uh, uh, you know, damaging himself in this process by yeah. uh, insisting on having a political issue rather than a solution.
0: Well, and you're exactly right. They don't have solutions. If they did, they'd be talking about them nonstop. Impeaching yeah. Mayorkas helps exactly no one. And they found a way to make a lot of noise doing exactly nothing. But but Bob, yeah. I want to ask you a, a, an important hypothetical. I, I understand mm-hmm. that we're, we're dumb. Americans can be dopey on, on some yeah. areas. <laughs> but isn't the real story how the media thinks we're much dumber than we are because that's where I'm at with all the Biden age articles I keep reading and hearing about. The whole notion, the whole premise the media is feeding us with this relentless coverage uh, that Biden is 81 with a stutter is that millions of Americans are going to say, wait a second, this guy is 81 with a stutter i don't support abortion rights i don't believe in climate science i don't believe in labor rights now i hate immigrants like what w- the assumption is because candidate a is old that suddenly will throw out all of our values and go for a yeah. racist criminal rapist clown
3: yeah i i don't think that is going to be the case i think one of the things the polling is missing on biden's age is uh the next question after do you think he's uh, too old to serve as president the next Mm -hmm. question needs to be but will you vote for him anyway and i think if those two questions are combined into one or the second one as a follow-up I think we're going to see significantly different numbers. It's one thing to say, yeah, Joe Biden's old and maybe he's too old to be president. But you know what? People were saying that in 2020 as well in 2019. And the next question is, will you vote for him? And what 2020 has proved is that yes, people will vote for him in spite of the fact that they think he might be too old for the job. And the other thing is Do you see any reason to believe that his age has impacted his job performance? And the answer has to be invariably no, because there is no evidence along those lines. I mean, the White House press corps, if they're going to continue playing this game where they take uh, where they where they frame it as people are saying instead of, oh, I'm saying this because I feel this way. uh, They need to rethink that strategy. They need to actually come up with some sort of. A concrete example to to report on Uh, shy of that it's just nonsense it's just speculation it's just both sides gibberish that is meant to fuel the horse race narrative this is neck and neck and you know you never know what's going to happen next and so Right. That's what that's the game they're playing. And if, and if Joe Biden is somehow disengaged in policy discussions or falling asleep on the job, then they need to report that. And if they're not going to report that, why aren't they going to report that? Boom. Well, maybe because it's not happening.
0: You're right. We are at 866-997-4748. Bob, here's my predictions. I have two predictions for Joe Biden for this upcoming campaign for the next eight months of our lives. One is that um, COVID is over. So we are going to see Biden doing something we didn't see in 2020 he's going to be out there hugging people. I think we are going to see yeah. Joe Biden hug more American motherfuckers in the next eight months than we've ever seen anyone hug anyone. Like <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt's in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most handshakes of any person in history. I think Joe Biden's going to be on camera just hugging every possible demographic nonstop. And that yeah, will yeah. draw the visual contrast between him and Trump. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it'll be successful. But also, I, I kind of feel like the age thing, hitting this fever pitch now... It's going to help Joe Biden because it's going to be think about how short our attention spans are as Americans. This Mm. is going to be old news by the summer. I think it's actually good for the Biden campaign that the ageism panic is peaking this early in
3: the year. Yeah, You're so right. That's exactly right. And it gives, I think, Democrats an opportunity to seriously own it and to use it and to turn this into an advantage, like instead of just constantly ruminating over, oh, God damn it, why is the press making such a big deal out of Biden's age? Turn this guy into Jedi Master Yoda. I mean, do that. I mean, because... Obviously there are yeah, right. you know some downsides to being an older person but there are many many upsides that obviously would benefit uh, the job performance of, of a president of the United States it's wisdom it's the know-how how to get things done on the hill which Joe Biden was on the hill as long as I've been alive. I mean, that's how long he's been uh, you know, a right, creature you of Congress and so forth. And so in that regard, his age actually benefits him quite a bit. And as we've seen from his record of the last three years, his Successes are many and we've seen and and we can see direct benefits of those legislative successes. We can point to actual math and statistics and numbers and and successes that illustrate all of these uh, legislative successes. So that's right all of that said this is what you said is exactly right and I think this will give us all especially activists and volunteers and surrogates and and people campaigning for Joe Biden it'll give them an opportunity to say yeah you know what he is 81 years old and he's doing a damn fine job yeah and and, and maybe it's because he's 81 years old meantime let's pivot to Donald Trump and see him flip-flopping all over the place on his signature issue which is immigration scaring racist white people about, you know, people of color swarming over the border and it's caravans. And oh, my God. Well, what are you doing about it, Donald? Nothing, <laughs> nothing. I have no plan. <laughs> There's nothing here except to just send the military into neighborhoods to round up people of color. That's all he's got. And That's and, and right. if he wants to do that, he's going to have to wait at least a year before that, before actually executing something as awful as that. So uh, I think this is all a giant win ultimately for Biden and by proxy the uh, democracy in this country.
0: You know, Bob, it's funny. Um, I'm a guy who, who goes on the Internet, so I think I'm clever and uh, I'm not. <laughs> um, and, and last night on the year, I was telling Chris this hypothesis I had of people keep saying, oh, they're both old. It's a fight between two old guys, a fight between two old guys. And I was like, OK. But Revenge of the Sith had a fight between two old guys, and they were Yoda and Palpatine. And that's right. how Biden has to share this. He's Yoda. Trump is Palpatine. Watch that scene. And I mm. thought I was so clever. And then Chris told me there's already like 500 memes about this on social media already. So I was <laughs> yeah. late to the party on it. but Well, that's, that's know, a
3: good thing, actually. It's two, yeah. old, it, it's,
0: it's two old guys we've all grown up with having their last final big fight. I think Yoda-Palpatine is a really valid comparison, at least for a lot of folks. Yeah. Well, Trump wishes
3: community. he were he were Palpatine because there's no way Trump sees the uh, the long game like Palpatine did for sure. Uh, so, yeah, that's actually kind of complimenting Donald Trump to compare him to Palpatine. But the evil is still there. Yeah, there's still. Yeah, yeah, there's still yeah a comparison to be made there, too. Yeah. And he's probably got kids no one knows about. Um,
0: so, so you know, one last thing then. With this Tom Swazi thing last night, mm-hmm. how did Democrats run with this? I mean, should this be emboldening for Democrats? Or is this a case that it was, you know, just like the Iowa caucus, really bad weather, people stayed yeah. home, and the Republicans decided to run an Ethiopian, Ethiopian Israeli woman who was against immigration? I mean, maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't say that much about the electorate and just the odds were in the Democrats' favor?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, there's a little bit of caution that needs to be had as far as uh, dealing with immigration as a political issue, as a campaign issue. Uh, Simon Rosenberg uh, was saying, uh, I forget which network it was last night, but he said that... uh, That immigration by itself doesn't necessarily produce, uh, you know, a huge voter turnout or it doesn't doesn't necessarily produce a victory in and of itself. All the
0: racists are already voting. All the right wing racists are already voting. It's not bringing in new Republican votes.
3: Oh, right. Right. And there's that, too. Going back to what you were saying before about uh, new support for Donald Trump. There is no new support for Donald Trump. In fact, his support is actually contracting. I think he had hit a ceiling at a certain point. Probably a twenty twenty election. He started to lose people after January 6th. And uh, some of those people have come back, but not all of them. And I think if he ends up getting convicted of something, that's when he's going to lose a giant chunk of support. So what Donald Trump is doing right now is he's triaging and making sure that he can get his base in line. He can turn out his base. They're not even thinking in terms of how to expand the base. That's it. He's still running for the primary. He's still
0: running for the nomination against Nikki Haley. Yep. Yep. And so he, and he's doing nothing.
3: Yeah. Right. And he's and he's doing nothing to convince people who are on the fence in some of these swing districts and swing. I mean, down to precincts and neighborhoods. He's not okay. doing anything to win those people. All he's doing is losing them. And with this immigration loss, which is, a, I think, a catastrophic loss for the Trump campaign and the Republican Party, uh, it's not going to help at all. It's well, in fairness, make things Bob, even worse he's doing them. he yeah. is
0: doing something to help the Republican Party. He's going to make his second son's wife co-RNC chair. Don't get in the way. Let him. <laughs> yes. Let let Lara. Let Lara Trump do for Republican fundraising what she did for Tom Petty covers. I am so down with it. I'm so here. Mr. <laughs> yeah, Seska, right. you're the best at what you do. How do people follow you?
3: Thank you. You can follow my podcast uh, everywhere. you Get your podcast or search for The Bob Seska Show and also on Patreon at patreon.com slash Bob Sussman Show. You're the best. Ooh. Thank you so uh, much, Thanks, Bob. my friend. Uh, Quick break. You. We'll
0: be right back with all Yazal's calls at 866-997-4748. This is progress.
2: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: I'm John saying This is SiriusXM Progress. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. We're going to be taking your calls all evening long. Right now, however, I have been waiting. I mean, I always... I always spend all my week wanting to talk to the God Squad, right? Like, we, we do the segment on Wednesdays, and then I immediately see 45 things that hypocrites and vipers and flock-fleecing Pharisee thugs are pushing. And I'm like, oh, i got to bring this up to the God Squad. And it's always like that. So... Let me tell you, when I saw a certain Super Bowl ad over the weekend, I thought, I cannot wait to hear what my personal spiritual advisors have to say about this thing. It's very rare I see an ad that makes me uh, so inspired and then makes me so creeped out the more I think about it in the days that follow. Let's go to the people who know a lot more about this than me. Keith Giles is a former pastor who left the pulpit to follow Jesus, is the author of the best-selling Jesus Un book series like Jesus Unarmed, Jesus Untangled. They're terrific. And it's for people who are deconstructing their faith. He's a regular contributor to the Patheos Progressive Christian blog platform and co-owner of Choir Publishing. Keith, it's good to see you. Welcome back.
5: I am so glad to be here, John. Thank you so much for having us back.
0: Well, thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm also happy to welcome back uh, December Rose, former pastor of the Restoration Center in Greenville, South Carolina, and the Rock Worship Center in West Union, South Carolina. She is the author of The Church of the Church Can Go to Hell, a truly jaw-dropping memoir of faith, and it's a theological dive into the toxic reality of church culture. She's also an amazing spoken word artist, spreading the gospel of grace through love, truth, and radical hospitality. Pastor Rose, it is so nice to see you. Happy Valentine's Day.
6: Happy Valentine's Day. I'm glad to be here, ready to talk shit about the bullshit.
0: Let's do it. Let's do it. And finally, as always, Dylan Cruz is with us, writer, theologian, and permaculture enthusiast from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. His book is Essential Theological Musings, Volume 1. It's a terrific collection of essays that cover a lot of different topics, but politics society and environmental concerns and around the world. He's also a superstar on social media. Dylan Cruz, it is so good to see you again. Happy Valentine's Day.
7: Happy Valentine's Day to you and yours, John, and uh, thanks for having us here with the Army Th- of thank the you. Night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the Army of the Night loves you guys, and it, um, and everyone loves this segment. I'm so glad we're, we're doing it weekly now. I'm also glad we're doing it weekly because I, I would have hated to wait two weeks after the Super Bowl to talk about how much he gets us still in. I think a lot of us had the same initial thoughts on the ad. Um I, I was all set to be cynical about it, and I actually found it surprisingly lovely and surprisingly a, a complete refutation of everything these fascist Christian nationalists tell us. What was what was your take on the ad?
7: Well, I've I've been paying attention to the, the he gets us folks for a while now because uh, they show those on Major League Baseball games and I watch a lot of baseball and it's the proverbial wolf in sheep's clothing and one of the things that the hobby lobby guy does is he he's a part of that vast network of christian rich people that are throwing massive amounts of money at political causes that that foment bigotry and hatred and this is not how you love your neighbor but but they say that 100 they're
0: one hundred million. Oh, he's, he's invested a hundred million in media, by the way, for two uh-huh. ads in the Super Bowl and the rest of the campaign, one hundred million dollars to talk about Jesus, uh, which they could have fed Bangladesh for a year, Dylan, but they they made ads instead. I'm sorry, go ahead.
7: Yeah, well, that's just it. One one of the things that these guys say, you know, we're all about biblical values, and I I want to quote David Bentley Hart, who uh, is a theologian and biblical scholar, he translated the entire New Testament, so he kind of knows what he's talking about. And he said that the New Testament not only condemns personal wealth as a moral danger but as an intrinsic evil. Mm. Mm. If you've got seven billion dollars, yeah. Mr. Green, you you're participating in an intrinsic evil. Mm -hmm. And you can't love your neighbor by condemning them to hell just for being who they are.
0: Wow. Completely agree. I mean, when you look into the funding, the campaign has so many connections to anti-LGBT organizations and anti-abortion laws. Pastor Rose, I'm I'm curious how you felt about it. I thought it really surprised me how they they showed Christianity as being for immigrants and for refugees. And they they show Jesus as being a radical. They show him as being against racial injustice. They show him being for women's rights. I I really wasn't prepared for how real, uh, and about Jesus, the visuals were in this ad.
6: Yeah. Well, I did not know until recently who was behind the ads. Um, I credit Keith and Dylan for informing me of that. My initial reaction Mm -hmm. to the ad was, this is a beautiful message. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, um, this is the issue with the Christian right or uh, uh, evangelicals or whatever they're going to call themselves. There always is a beautiful message as bait. Okay? Mm -hmm. But when you get past the beautiful message, then you get into the toxic culture of assimilation that says um, we... It's no, it's not any cut. It's come as you are, but you can't. You
1: mm-hmm. cannot
6: stay as you are and be accepted. You cannot mm-hmm. stay as you are and be mm-hmm. loved. You can't stay as you are and be celebrated. You can't stay as you are and be saved. Okay, because yep. they'll to let you come. Okay, because they're all about numbers. They're all about statistics. Yeah. They're definitely all about money. Mm-hmm. Um, but they will require you to assimilate at some point. Whether or not it has anything to do with scripture or Christ or anything else is is beside the point okay and so when you, say assimil- let you when come. you say
0: assimilate you when you, when you mm-hmm. say assimilate what does it mean in this context? I mean, obviously culturally, but really it's it's mentally, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's really about conforming to a certain set of conservative beliefs that aren't necessarily reflected by what's in the Gospels. Assimilation means you get to shit all over gay people and women who have abortions, even though Jesus never does anything like that. Is that what we're talking about by assimilation?
6: I do believe so. You need to think like me. You need to act like me. And if you're dealing with the white nationalists, you need to look like me. If you don't look like me, you ain't on my level. You need to be in my same class. You need to be educated like me. You need—it's a lot of uh, ways to assimilate, you know. And I think I'm thinking of the scripture: um, being not be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Mm-hmm. And a lot of mm-hmm. religious people use that scripture against people, uh, <laughs> but I really think. I really think the scripture was as going against it was was talking to the church. I think it was mm-hmm. going the other way. Y'all know mm-hmm. what scripture I'm talking yeah. about? Yes, I do. Um, Tell me. And so yeah, so I, I, I think people the religious folks read that scripture wrong and use it wrong. A lot of them use it as a weapon, like as they do the with the Bible, you know, over right. the course of history. Uh, they use it for oppression instead of liberation. They yep. use it for imprisonment instead of freedom. They use it for you know, to make you assimilate instead of allow you to be free to express yourself. Um, And so it was a, on its face, it was a very beautiful depiction of who Christ is, but it was totally an antagonist to who the church is.
0: Ooh, Mm. love it. Uh, Keith, I I kept watching it and being really impressed, but I will admit, I kept waiting to see the same-sex couple having their feet washed. Or yeah, that the, woman, nice. the woman leaving a clinic, having her feet washed by a protester. Yeah. Like yeah. those images would have made me think, oh, you guys are really talking the talk. But pointedly, those were all, like pretty much the only two demographics we didn't see in this ad.
5: Yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, it's, it's the, the message at face value was um, a beautiful message. In fact, it was so beautiful. I've seen a lot of evangelical conservatives really pissed off about it because they're <laughs> upset that it, it wasn't judgmental enough. Um, so that you know, yeah. I guess they did something right. They want to send folks to hell. It happens, right? I mean. But yeah. again, it's like it's like we're saying it's the problem that I had with it. It's not the message because I think the message was great, but it's the messenger. And because it's people like the owners of Hobby Lobby uh, who are actively spending millions, you know, throughout the year fighting against gay marriage, reproductive rights for women, gender affirming care for trans kids, and 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 to make an ad like that, it's it's almost like what they're really saying behind the ad is. Jesus loves all the people that we hate or, or Jesus loves you. So we don't have to, that's the way it comes across. And it's, it's, uh, it's very hypocritical and it's very disappointing. I mean, if they meant it, it would be great if at the end of the ad, you know, all those people would come on and say, you know what? We were wrong. We're really sorry. We've changed our minds about all these people that we showed in the, in the commercial, getting their feet washed. And now we love them too. Um, I'm still waiting for that.
0: But, you know, Hobby Lobby co-founder David Green, he's he's the guy, right? I mean, he's yeah, the one I mean, who he's gets one all the these gazillions. Ones. Yeah, he's yeah. the one who actually brought it to the Supreme Court, allowing companies to deny coverage for contraception on the basis of their religious beliefs. And it made me crazy because at no point in the Bible does God or Jesus ban contraception. And it's what no one ever, no journalist ever asked these people. Here's your holy book. I brought a copy. Show me where God says thou shalt not wear a Jimmy hat and wrap it up. It's not there. The Bible's <laughs> yeah. not anti-contraception, and that's this guy's whole claim to fame. I, I, I wasn't surprised to learn that the whole campaign is a subsidiary of the Servant Foundation, mm-hmm. which has given tens of millions of dollars to our old friends, the Alliance Defending Freedom, which yeah. is very powerful and very not Christian. I mean, we've, we've dealt with these guys before.
7: Well, these these kinds of folks have been doing these throwing the money at the bigotry kind of thing for a long time have you seen those pass it on ads
0: yeah all the time
7: okay if you look at the funding for them there was another commercial that showed all these people being in love and i was like oh wow they showed a black couple in love that's great and then i immediately went where's the gay couple and there wasn't Mm. one so i went and Mm. looked it up philip auschwitz or on or however you say his name big rich guy throws a lot of money at anti-LGBTQ ads or, mm-hmm. or uh, oh. causes bigotry. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that's the insidious nature of these ads. They look so slick, but they're what the undercurrent is, is they're trying to promote this very heteronormative, very white 1950s pseudo-Christian family values thing that wasn't ever really a thing in the 50s. Mm. But that's the that's the image that they want to portray. And so those pass it on ads are in the same level yeah, almost with the with the he gets us thing.
0: I mean, they're, yeah, they're they're pleasant. They're nice. They're innocuous. They're forgettable. And and when you do a little dig deeper, it seems more like it's about pushing a movement rather than pushing treating people better. I mean, they say that this campaign was designed to appeal to younger people. And those who might see Christianity as toxic or divisive, the, f- the founder said on CNN, a lot of times people look at Christianity. Unfortunately, they see it as much more hypocritical, judgmental, discriminatory. I'm like, yeah, there's a reason for that. Uh, oh, we're shit. trying to unify the American people around the confounding love and forgiveness of Jesus. I mean, well, I think that's yeah. swell, my friends, but Jesus doesn't have an image problem. God doesn't have an image problem. Right-wing religion, the right wings of all the religions, is what has the image problem, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
5: Yeah. That's right. No, that's exactly right. I mean, it's it's here's my thing, too. Like, I, I spent some years doing marketing. And usually in marketing, when you do an ad, there's a call to action. It's like, so, you know, you do the ad, but then there's like, you know, buy a Coke or see the movie like you know it's there's something they want you to do and yeah. I'm watching this ad and I'm thinking at the end of it okay but what what is someone supposed to do about this ad okay so Jesus is great okay we, we kind of knew that and and it's <laughs> almost like well is what they hope is that people are going to like watch this ad and say you know what this Jesus guy actually is really awesome you know what let's go to church on Sunday and the, yeah, the thing is, let's say they did go to church on Sunday and they walked in. Would they say, you know, like, hey, um, you know, I'm gay. Am I am I welcome here? Oh no, it. Not really. Right. Yeah. Um, am I, yeah. I, I paid for an abortion. Am, am I welcome here? No, actually, you should get out of here. Right. You're a murderer. And so, again, like, what's the point? Again, like you were saying, it's not that uh, we don't know that Jesus was loving and kind. What we don't know is whether these Christians, these evangelical Christians are loving oh. and kind. That's oh. what we need to know. Right.
0: Yeah. Now, now just to be fair, um, right wingers flipped out as well. Uh, yes, notorious, notoriously fake Christian and giant human balloon head Charlie Kirk. Uh, he was really <laughs> upset. He said that uh, that uh, they, people have been taken for a ride by these woke tricksters because anything <laughs> that is anti hatred oh, wow. and anti racism. I mean, Charlie Kirk was offended by the Jesus parts of the ad. Yes. He was offended by the use of love between different colors of people in the ad. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I, I think it worked. It, it, it pissed off the right. And, mm-hmm. you know, but if anyone goes to church because of this, they're not going to see folks washing the feet of Muslim people Border crossers—they're going to see people who are talking about abortion, talking about gay people. Maybe you'll go to a cool church and not see that, but we know what the risk is with a lot of these evangelicals and right-wing Catholic denominations.
5: Yeah, I, I got to say, what's really sad is when the good news to non-Christians is that Jesus is nothing like most of his followers.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's well, that's that's, that's our Christ message. Is right? nothing,
5: nothing. Oh, we lost you. We lost you go December. ahead
0: again. pastor rose one more time pastor rose your audio your audio dropped out
6: they like most christians <laughs>
0: yes go to their website right. because
6: they don't have like you know a loud call to action okay can you hear me I yeah, can hear I you it. now. okay yes. they ahead. don't have really a loud um call to action but they do have a website and they have their agenda they say many folks accuse us of having an agenda well here's our agenda And it says, our agenda is to rediscover the love story of Jesus. Christians, non-Christians, and everybody in between, all of us. And it goes more in depth and all that. But my thing is, once you discover it, if you think you have, what are you going to do about it? Because the story ain't new. The Bible ain't new. There's nothing new under the sun. So once you discover the story, you're saying you want to help others. What are you going to do with that? Because if I read, if you go to that website, I'm not going to direct people there, but if you go to that website, it looks very pure, like a pure motive on his face. But can you translate that to the local church? No, yeah. not most of them. There's some good right. churches out here. There's some good ministries out here. spiritual Day, you know, that oh, I've yeah. come to know in, in Tennessee is one. There's, there's many real ministries out here that someone can really come as they are, you know, and receive love, be accepted, read, fellowship, worship, whatever, and, my, and people are minding their business. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. some. But for the most part, that is the minority of churches. You can't mm-hmm. take that commercial and go that the Super Bowl was on. Uh, was it Sunday or Saturday?
0: You Usually get, Sunday. Sunday.
6: Sunday, right. You can't take that commercial and decide next Sunday I'm going to church. Mm -hmm. and expect to be received if you're uh you know a queer individual yeah some churches you you might not expect to be received if you're a person of color
5: yeah yeah
6: okay my children and I visited a church uh one day I just decided I wanted to be in service this day and so right across the street from here is a Presbyterian church and I said, you know we're just gonna go over here and visit when they say that Sunday is the most segregated day of the week, it is true. Yeah. Mm. My children and I were the only black people in that whole building. Mm.
0: The only. What state was this, Pastor?
6: This is in South Carolina.
0: Yeah. Oof.
6: Wow. Now, as far as a the family, there, there were some grandchildren, some children, of, uh, I will call them children of color because I don't know what they're mixed with. A beautiful kids okay I just don't know if they're black or Hispanic or what they just had a little bit more brown in their skin than the grandparents they was with okay That's um, right. mm-hmm.
0: so that <laughs> uh, happens to <laughs> yeah. It, yeah
6: it's a beautiful thing I ain't got no I ain't got no problem with it okay but as far as black family black children black people we were the only ones me my son and my daughter that was it now well, what c- we all received yes we were it was at some place that I'd like to visit again no it wasn't very religious it was very stand up sit down stand up sit down sing this hymn recite this thing. It's not my kind of party right there. But the people were kind. You know what I'm saying?
0: I I do. I I
6: wonder, though, if I came in there, I'm married to a man, of course, but I wonder if I came in there with my girlfriend or something like that, or I came Mm -hmm. in there as obviously transgender. Some people are transgender in a way that they can pass. That's
0: true. Some people are transgender
6: in a way that they really can't pass, Mm
4: -hmm.
0: you know,
6: or it's hard for them to pass. I wonder how I would have been treated if I had came there like that. Or if I'd have been encouraged, I would have been initially well received. And then after that they'd have begin working on me. Because it's, it's time so to assimilate. True. You can come as you are, but you can't stay as you are. Not if God is yeah. working on you. Not if you got the Holy Ghost and all that other shit that they're talking about.
0: Guys, can I, can I ask you a, a somewhat unrelated question? You know, we saw the the horrible shooting at uh Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church in Texas and, and uh and, mm-hmm. and that was awful and, and um and that woman who uh who who was the shooter who Donald Trump Jr. has lied about and said was transgender and kept the tweet up. Mm-hmm. Uh her child is 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 still gravely injured uh by the bullet he took. He's only seven. Um I have a I have a problem I need to ask you about. I, I, I have this real hang up about the mega churches. You know, I look at and I've said every night, Joel Osteen is not a bigot. He is not one of these televangelists who became famous for going after gay people or feminism or anything like that. He avoids the social stuff. His whole thing is the wealth and that Jesus wants you to be rich. And even though the Mm -hmm. Bible says the exact opposite, look at this giant building we have. And then they find hundreds of thousands of dollars hidden inside a wall somewhere. And we'll probably never know the truth about that kind of money laundering exercise. But, you know, we don't know the motives of the shooter. And, and no one deserves this, and no church should ever be defiled in such a way. But I'm curious, what are your takes on these giant mega-churches? Because I think for a lot of people who value a personal relationship with their spiritual creator, whatever they believe that to be, these mega-churches and mega-events and, and mega-marketing is, is kind of a turnoff. Do you all have any thoughts?
7: Hmm. It's like Jesus Christ, Inc. Yeah. You yeah, know, Jesus Christ, Incorporated. And I... I told that story about the pastor that dressed up as a homeless guy at his new church. I would love to see something like that at, at like an Olstein kind of mega church. There's a, there's several here in Lancaster County that are, that are really big like that, that have, you know, they got smoke machines, they got coffee shops, they got all of these church attainment kind of things.
3: (laughs) Yeah. But they're not,
7: (laughs) absolutely. But they're not living out. Matthew twenty-five, uh, no. thirty-one through no. forty-six. Yeah. Are they getting That's out it. there in the community? Are they opening up their church like that guy in Ohio?
8: Right. When it's freezing mm-hmm.
7: cold outside for for people who are experiencing homelessness? That's are right. they are they doing are they sharing that wealth like the Acts Two church did? Right.
5: And,
7: That's it. And and Ananias and Sapphira that fell over dead that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those kinds of places are cringy and creepy as fuck to me.
5: Mm-hmm. Cuz
7: they're not right they're on. not Jesus. They're yeah. kind of like a social club with a Jesus mascot. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and they and, and their theology is probably pretty shit.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean prosperity gospel is a whole other conversation about oh, uh, Bible biblical yeah, Keith, what do you, yeah. what's your take on these gigantic ultra mega normal Churches. Yeah.
5: Well, I can't help but uh, think of, there's a very famous quote that says, in the first century, uh, Christianity was a community or a family. Uh, when it moved to Greece, it became a philosophy. It moved to Rome, became an institution. And when it came to America, it became a business.
7: Boom. And uh, wow. that's,
5: I think what we see is we have now, the church has become a franchise. It's a business. Um, and it's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be, as Dylan was saying, a community of people who love Jesus, they love God, they love one another, they love their neighbor. You know, they're putting the 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 things that Jesus said into practice. And you don't need a huge building to do that, you know, mm-hmm. you don't need a big flat screen television to do that. You don't need a professional, you know, rock band to do that. Um a uh, lot of I, I mean, I I stopped attending churches really because of that kind of thing where yeah. um no matter where I go, I feel like it's a it's like a TED talk. And then a, a, a rock concert and a TED talk. You know what I mean? And that's not what I want.
0: <laughs> and passing a basket around as well.
5: <laughs> oh, lots of that, yeah. yes.
6: Never forget Pastor Rose,
0: before the, before the break, Pastor Rose, uh, any thoughts from you on these gigantic Anormo chapels?
6: I have, mixed, I have mixed feelings about that. When we, we talk about the Acts 2 church, if you're reading Acts 2 um, uh, verse 40 through 45 or so, you'll see where it says that 3,000 and that may not have been counting women and children. Um, were added to that church that day hmm. by any measure. That's probably a mega church, or at least yeah. a smaller mega church. 3, I should 000. think so.
0: Yeah, three. Th- yeah.
6: Um, and so I have mixed feelings about it. I think that the number is not the issue. But there's not an issue with 3,000. There's not an issue with 30,000, 10,000. I don't think the number is the issue. I think the motive and the agenda behind it is the issue. So we say, Do I That's have a-, a problem with a mega church? Not really. Um, because if you think about it, in one service, they added 3,000 souls. In one other service, there's a count. And if you believe this scripture, if you take the scripture as it is, right? Not getting into it. is it real? Is it not? Is it symbolic? If you take it as it is, there's another scripture where the people were hungry and he said, well the apostle said, send them away. And Jesus said, No, no, send them away, you feed them. And they divided the loaves and the bread and they fed over <laughs> 5,000. By mm. any measure, if you will take the word as it is, those are two situations in the scripture where Jesus was literally preaching to a mega church. Because Ooh, the mega church nice. is defined by the mega church is defined by the numbers. Right. Not necessarily right. the building, but right. the number. So if you take away the building and you take away the band and you take away the fog lights and you take away all that stuff. <laughs> mega churches existed in biblical times. Three thousand, right. five thousand. That enough. is That's in a fact point. a Mega church. Mm. So I don't really have an issue with mega churches. I have a issue with mega churches where Jesus Christ himself and his ministry is not the superstar of the show.
0: that's right okay yeah we're a political agenda is
6: is not the quarterback okay it's a lot like most churches are concerts and um they gotta they gotta they got to they got a, they
5: got 1000s of OnlyFans.
0: Oh, yeah. Right <laughs> the, the way by the way, you brought it back full circle, Pastor Rose, because that's exactly what the he gets me at, made me feel like. Oh, it's beautiful yeah. and I appreciate it and you're here doing the groovy spiritual things. Yeah. And when I look a little deeper, that's when it that's yeah. when it gets icky. Okay, we gotta take a quick break. Mm-hmm. When we come back, I'd like to ask you guys about uh immigration and why right wing Christians are not fans of love. It seems to be the prime directive from the Nazarene they pretend to follow. And we want to hear from you guys as well. We're at 866-997-4748. This is Progress.
3: Man, that sunset is gorgeous.
4: Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in.
3: Oh, burger time.
2: That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: And we are back at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. The Republican Party reminds you we have to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas for not addressing a border crisis that we've decided can wait a whole fucking year. To ever be addressed. I'm John Fugle saying this is the God Squad on Tell Me Everything. We are so pleased to be joined by three of our favorite theologians who, on the regular, thump Bible thumpers with the Bible Keith Giles, Pastor December Rose, and Dylan Cruz. And we are at 866 997 4748 taking your calls on spiritually wonderful and uh, atrociously horrible people because God knows uh, the Republicans in this country. Well, it's like I always say, I love Jesus, but like Elvis, I love the guy. It's the fan clubs that terrify me. And we're looking at all Mm -hmm. this hatred that they're pouring out, pouring out again. I, I mean, impeaching the Homeland Security Secretary while nonstop lying about the asylum seekers at our border. The law says if you can stand on American soil, you get to claim asylum. They're not illegals. But fascists have to have dehumanizing mm-hmm. language and demonize the Christian refugees that Jesus demands we take. And, uh, Keith, you were talking earlier about love. And I, I kind of thought that was the prime directive of the entire religion. You know, he gets us is a very lovely video. But my dad was the kind of Catholic who, after mass, would be standing at the, at the church, arguing with the priest every day, saying, w- w- what's with all the fire and brimstone and hell and sin? Mm-hmm. When are you going to talk about love? Yeah, That's who I saw. That's what I saw my dad do every Sunday. I don't see any of that from these right wing folks. It seems to be love for my tribe and those who look or dress or act or speak or vote. I like me. Yeah,
5: yeah, that's exactly right. It, it is a mystery to me. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, it, let's just take it down to the basics. God is love. Uh, Jesus said the greatest commandment was what? To love God and to love your neighbors yourself. Okay. But Mm -hmm. nothing seems to piss off Christians more than this idea of love. Um, One of my favorite verses, Galatians 5, 6, Paul says, and this, again, I never hear many sermons on this. Galatians 5, 6, one of the first letters Paul ever wrote, actually. And he said, the only thing that counts. So this is it. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Yeah. Boom. I love that and boy the right wingers
0: love to quote paul but they never quote that they don't like that one so much that's right yeah
5: and you know like uh first john 4 7 let us love one another for love comes from god and you know so that seems to be what it's all about there's so much about love uh, in the in the bible um can i do something real quick i i did this it only take a second i i i I was looking at first corinthians 13 which is the love chapter it's the one that they read it um, at weddings all the time. If you go to a Christian wedding, they always have to read, you know, yeah. love is patient, love is kind. So yeah. I did a quick little remix of first Corinthians 13, kind of it like an update. Um, and it, it goes like this. If I build a church that's larger than a football stadium, but I don't welcome everyone, regardless of their sexual orientation, uh, I am nothing. If I string razor wire across the Rio Grande so that women and children will die on their way to find refuge and freedom, the love of God mm-hmm. is not in me. If I go on television and promise to let people in other nations suffer and die because they don't pay the United States protection money, then I'm less than nothing. (laughs) Love is not violent. It does not kill. It does not carry a weapon. Love does not shed blood unless it is bleeding for the sake of others. Love always heals, always forgives, always kneels down to help the homeless, the sick, the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, and the refugee. We don't need to ask if we deserve God's love because that's like asking if the sky deserves to be blue. It's blue because it's the sky, and we're loved because God is love, and we were made in the image of love. But where there is violence, there will be peace. Where there is hate, it will pass away. For now we see but a poor reflection of Christ in ourselves and in the church, but one day, and I really do hope and pray, we will see Christ in the face of everyone more clearly. And now these three remain. Hate, division, and love. And the greatest of these remains to be seen.
0: I like that better than St. Paul, Keith. Very nice. I mean, you do a better job... (laughs) Yeah, Paul I mean and, and again, you you almost make me forget that Paul was a closeted gay hater of women. I I mean <laughs> Man, <laughs> But on Lutheran. Right. But- okay. Yeah, I, I have to write a yeah, no, okay.
8: I write Tell a book
5: me, on please. sympathy for Paul down the road here, but yeah. I, I have a
0: lot of sympathy for Paul, but at the same time, you know, there's there's certain things. I mean, Dylan, if you want to defend if you want to defend Paul, jump in, please.
7: Well his, his authentic writings affirm women in ministry this that's is right. okay. very clear and and yeah. and the, the passage in first corinthians uh 14 i think it is yeah if you take that part out you can see very clearly that it's an interpolation
5: yes it is okay. if you
7: read it without that it makes a hell of a lot more sense so a scribe stuck that in there he's like nope i don't like women so fuck the mm-hmm. bitches and he put that right in there
6: yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <that's right. laughs>
7: But I want to go back to I want to go back to the love thing, because in, in John 13, Jesus says a new command I give to you. Love as I have loved. This is how people will know that you are my disciples. Mm-hmm. And Paul in in the in the love chapter that Keith just referenced that they read kind of goofily as a romantic thing in a, in a yep. wedding because it's yeah. not.
5: No, it's not. Yeah, What right.
7: he's saying there is he's talking about all of these gifts of the spirit for the Corinthian church, all these new converts that are finding that they can speak in tongues and they can prophesy and they can do all this stuff. And he's like, none of that shit matters. If you don't have love, none of it matters. I'm a gong. I'm a clanging cymbal. You ever just listen to somebody practice their cymbals? Wow. Hmm. It's not very pleasant. Everything, mm-hmm. literally everything in the New Testament hinges on agape love. Yep. That's the whole yep. New Testament, 27 books. In the and, and
0: judging gay people and women who have abortions, right? Judging gay people and migrants and w- w- women who have abortions? No, no, I guess not. Can't do that. No,
7: and that's what's so insidious about that ad, because it says we are. T- he called us to love our neighbors. And then you peel back the, the mask. Yeah, and like December was saying, they're asking you to assimilate into their group of hate. Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and then, people say, "Well, we don't hate. We don't hate." As somebody gave me a definition of hate one time, and I never forgot it. And they, and it was, "Hate is anything less than love."
5: Oh,
0: nice.
6: Anything less. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah.
6: And I think about um, why we're why we're throwing scriptures out there because we are the God squad. I think of, hey, I, yeah. and I mentioned this last week. Which was first John four eighteen, there is no fear in love, yes. but perfect love casts out fear. And this is the part that is so interesting about the right-wing evangelists, evangelicals, and all these folks. For fear has to do with punishment. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And my folks who are Bible scholars in the Greek and Hebrew, I'd be interested to know what that word actually is that they translated to punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. The ultimate punishment or fear is separation from God. Thankfully, for those who believe in Jesus, that fear has passed. And when I think about all that they're doing. If you turn on Fox News, if you turn on any of these stations, it's fear mongering all day, Always. All, and scapegoating three sixty six, scapegoating, scapegoating. No. <laughs> twenty five yep. eight three sixty six, all day is a constant feed streaming of fear, and it says for fear to do with this punishment. Why that's on it so rings a bell with me is they want to attach a punishment to everything that they attach fear to. Think about
0: um, it. Yes. They want yes. to send women
6: to jail for abortions. They want to send the doctors to jail if the doctors help them. And if you give them a ride, they want to be you'd be able to report somebody that you, think about it. They attach a punishment to everything that they attach fear to. Yep. There's gotta be some kind of consequence for whatever you're doing because we are the judge, the jury, and the executioner, and we need to punish you for this thing that you're doing that we don't agree with.
0: I I, okay? I agree completely, yeah. I also want to point out that the the hate the problem swing that door swings two ways because it's very easy for you know progressives to oh. talk all about all the areas where conservatives are morally deficient and hypocrites and liars yeah. and bigots, yep. and then we get into the same problem conservatives have where we believe it's okay to hate these people because right. we know the facts and yes. we've done our research and we know how awful their work is and my father had three heroes, uh, Dr. King, Gandhi, and Dorothy Day, founder of mm-hmm. Catholic Charities, and she's one of mm-hmm. my heroes. And, and one of yeah. her quotes that I have always found the most challenging uh, spiritually is when she said, I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. You know, they yep, used to right say, right? like, you want to know what God looks like? Look wow. into the eyes of someone you love. And I always thought, no, that's bullshit. You want to know what God looks like? Look in the eyes of someone you fucking hate. Because that's the yes. spiritual test. I think you go to heaven, whoever you hated in life, that's who God's going to be. If you don't like gay men, God's going to come out ready to go to the clubs. If you don't like Lime loud black women, that's how God, if you don't like rednecks, God's going to live in a trailer with a shotgun. Whoever you hate is who the mm-hmm. Almighty's going to wind up being. To me, that makes the most sense spiritually in, in the world.
5: Yeah, do, I got to say, it, it reminds it? me of that uh, Anne Lamott quote where she says, she says, you know, you've made God in your own image when it turns out God hates all the same people you do.
7: Boom. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, I read something. You know, Jesus says that we're even to love our enemies. Yes. And yeah. Whew, that's that's a tough one, right? Yeah. Um, and it's easy the, to yell that. I, I, it's easy to
0: yell that at your enemies because when they're being such hypocrites, hey,
7: you're supposed to. Love <laughs> oh, <me>. sure. <laughs> yeah. And a theological comment. I wish I could remember who wrote it, but I can't. But somebody said the reason he said that was. Because as soon as you love that person, they are no longer your enemy.
5: Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
7: And and John, and I want to make a confession. I sometimes get so angry. Same. At people who are willfully using human suffering as a political football for political theater. I get it. And I have wanted to throat punch people like paul ryan and mitch mcconnell and all the time you know tim scott and all you know all these people
5: Yep, confess
7: but that is not what jesus calls me to do so what do i what do i need to do i need to point out that they're doing it wrong but i also need to take that log that's in my eye out hate the
0: game not the player is that what you're telling me Hate the game, (laughs) not the player. I have no problem saying, look, if Donald Trump.
6: If I hate the Senate, not the Senate, that's
0: what he's in. Hey, if if Donald Trump like, like needed bone marrow and I was the only donor match in the world, I'd be there with bells on. I'd be delighted to try to keep him alive. Yeah. But I would despise everything he fights for. I would despise yep. everything he stands for. I would still call out his lies. I don't know if that counts as love or not. I don't know if I could find any Aww. affection in my heart for him. But if I could do something to save his life, yeah, I would do it. I want him to live a long time, preferably in The Hague. But like <laughs> but I don't know if that's I don't know if that's enough. You know, I, I really struggle with this. And all my atheist friends listening right now are saying, What the fuck is wrong with you people? Hate them. Who cares? Hate them. But well, I don't want to be aw. a hypocrite like they are.
5: That's
6: right. When well, yeah, I grow up, you. I want to be like you, John. Because I swear, if he was, if that's, if that was the announcement I got, I'd be like, Lord have mercy. Who, who got, who gonna have the body when they planning the funeral? <laughs> Come you know, on, Pastor Rose. You said funeral. We don't told- even get the funeral. You wouldn't, well, wouldn't want to do, you wouldn't
0: want to be the donor to save Donald Trump's life at all the wonderful publicity for your spirituality that would oh come with gosh, that. I wouldn't right. do it in a second. For the PR value, I would do it.
5: <laughs> alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
6: Child, Jesus himself would have to visit me like the Holy Spirit visited me. <laughs> yeah. You understand? I do. Because I'd be like, this is the will of the Lord for your life. Let it be so in the name of Jesus.
5: Boom. Well, I think, hey, bo- it's bo- called- go, go ahead, Keith. <laughs> I was just going to say I mean it, it, what we're talking about like you know um allowing the words of Jesus to invade our our thinking, our behavior, our patterns, uh doing that self-introspection and reflection and saying, "Wait a minute, you know, am I am I guilty of this? Am I am I looking at the speck in my brother's eye and ignoring the log of my own eye?" I mean, yeah. just the act of doing that alone, that's that's what we need more of. You know, whether we do it successfully all the time or not, I mean, we need to at least always have that check. You know, we always need to have that opportunity to stop and say, wait a minute, you know, let me turn the attention to myself. And and where do I need to grow and and where do I need to mature and where do I need to put the words of Jesus into practice? And I can't I can't yell at other people for not doing it if I'm if I'm not doing it. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important thing.
0: Guys, we've only got like a, a minute or two left. Can we take a really quick call? Uh, Jim in Florida has been on hold forever. Jim, welcome. You're on SiriusXM with the God Squad. Keith Giles, Dylan Cruz, and Pastor Rose. Hello.
8: Hello. How are you doing? Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Um, Here's the thing. Um, I don't believe in salvation by incantation. Uh, that's something Joel Osteen says at the end of his yeah. services, and it drives me nuts whenever I see it. I think faith and acts go hand in hand. Thank you If yes. you live your life like, if you live your life like a nihilist and you continue to say that you're saved and you, you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you might want to check out whether or not you're really faithful because if you're living like a nihilist and you give in to all of these you know it, you know these uh, lesser evil uh, these, these lesser nature, um, maybe you don't really believe. And I, I yeah. think that at the end of the day, you have a lot of people who, who claim to be Christian, and it's really just people who have a lot of sociopathic tendencies who are dealing yeah. with the cognitive dissonance yeah. by claiming yeah. it. And I, I don't even think it's that, it's that complicated. And, by the way, let me disclose, I am, a, I am an atheist. But I am an aspiring Christian because I am a fan. Uh, but I've never, I've never uh, understood. I've always respected the church, the ones that do good. And there are a lot of organizations in the name of religion that do great things. Missionaries do great things. Um, But I see a lot of uh, misuse of religion and self-identification as Christian.
0: I'm so sorry we're out of time, Jim, because I love your call. And you remind me of the George Harrison quote, as long as you hate, there will be people to hate. But I love your call. Please Mm. don't be a stranger. Call us up more. Mm. Guys, thank you all so much. Keith, how do we follow you on social media? What's the best way?
5: Yeah, uh, my blog is keithjaws.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, I do a bunch of podcasts, so look for me.
0: Pastor Rose, what's the best way to follow your work?
6: Um, I'm on social media. as December Rose, and that's D-E-S-I-M-B-E-R. And y'all go get that book, The Church Can Go to Hell, because it really can on Amazon.
7: Right on. Mr. Dylan Cruz. com is my blog. I'm all over social media, and Theological Musings and Go Golden are both on Amazon.
0: Guys, I love y'all. I love the segment. Thank you so much for making my Wednesday special. This is progress.